Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello Stem Cells at Lunch Digested listeners. I'm Jessica Sells, the Public Engagement Officer for the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine. Today I'll be speaking with Dr Adam Pennycuke, a research associate from the UCL Respiratory Research Group. Could you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your career path up to this point? Sure, hi there. Thanks very much for having me uh, here today. So um, I'm a clinician by background. I'm a, a respiratory clinician. I trained here at King's actually, so it's, it's very, very nice to be back. Nice. Um, <laughs> before I uh, before I was in medicine, I, I had did a maths and physics degree a long time ago, and then I did uh, worked as an aerospace engineer for a couple of years. So I had got a kind of computational numerate background, and um, I ended up working on the on the projects I'm working on at the moment because I was trying to put those two together and trying to find something quite uh, numerous and computational within my medical career and, and this is sort of how I've ended up doing lung cancer work and, and uh, focusing on, on uh, bioinformatics on the kind of big data that's coming out of, of uh, modern lung cancer uh, research. That's really impressive range. <laughs> well it's, it's I'm trying to I suppose try to find my niche you know by, by being um, there's not many people who, who do both the, the computational side and the clinical side, so I'm yeah. trying to find a bit of a, bit of a niche there. Uh, it does impressive. mean I'm, I'm you know, relatively junior, so I'm, I'm doing my um, PhD uh, currently with Sam, um, having done sort of bits and pieces of research along the way. Uh, there's quite a, a well-supported academic pathway for clinicians where I've done sort of various research blocks through my clinical training. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's great. That's, uh, that sounds fantastic. And so you part work as part of the uh, UCL respiratory group. And so this obviously means that your work uh, or the research group focuses on things related to the lungs. So what kind of conditions are covered or is it purely lung cancer focused? So, so UCL Respiratory is quite a large group um, and uh, it's split between two main groups. There's the Sam's group, Sam Jane's group, who uh, focus mostly on lung cancer. But then there's also the Centre for Inflammation and Tissue Repair under Rachel Chambers and others who work on things like pulmonary fibrosis and uh, respiratory infections. Um, so there's there's quite a range of things going on within UCL Respiratory. Um, Sam's group as well is is quite diverse. We have uh, some people working on um, there's a few ENT surgeons working on kind of uh, epithelia in the sort of upper airway, and um, but but really I suppose the, the focus is lung cancer. So there's there's also uh, uh, there's a big focus on early lung cancer, early detection of lung cancer, and understanding the earliest changes that lead to lung cancer, which is very much what what I'm focused on. Yeah, personally. And so preventative focus. Yeah, I mean, all the data shows that the earlier you treat lung cancer, the better. Uh, and the, the you know when you talk about early lung cancer, you're talk, normally talking about early established lung cancer, and what we're looking at is really even before that point. Because if we can start intervening even earlier than that, then uh, we think we can make some great outcomes for patients. And so, mm. what kind of project are you specifically working on? So, I'm working on this, this really exciting data set that, that is, has been going on for about 20 years under uh, oh, wow, Sam that's... and his predecessors, um, where patients who've got uh, lesions in their lung, lesions in their airway, which are precancerous, so they can go on to become cancer, um, they've been uh, tracked over time uh, at UCL. So, um, whenever we find a patient with one of these things, then uh, they'll get a, a bronchoscopy, so a camera into the lungs with a biopsy of that of that uh, precancerous lesion, and we'll do that repeatedly every four months uh, until they either develop cancer or or, or, um, or hopefully don't. But no no treatment is done unless they develop cancer. Um, so we're trying to answer questions like, well, why do some of these become cancer and others don't? What are the mechanisms yeah. underlying that? And um, 
Uh, and why do some of them seem to just go away? I mean, we don't really understand why some of them just disappear. And if we can understand those processes, we think we can start to influence those processes and, and you know, stop patients from developing uh, more advanced cancer. And so when you say lesion, uh, what does that mean? Yeah, so, um, so, so I'm talking about cells on the surface of your airway. So in, if you, um, in, inside your lungs, but on, in the airway surface, yeah. if you like, cells on, on the surface that are uh, disordered or dysregulated or yeah. um, we would so call them ab dysplastic, abnormal. But abnormal cells, exactly, yeah. um, that have the potential to go on to become cancer. That's and the, so when people go to the doctors and these are discovered, is it because they have like a, an ongoing cough or what kind of yeah, symptoms often. brings so, people in for that? So, so I mean, um, yeah, it's a good question. And, and one thing I suppose to say is, is they are rare because most people turn up with cancer. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, they're not generally symptomatic. Um, typically, it's either because of something like a cough or maybe coughing up a bit of blood or the sort of investigations that we do for that. Um, if you have a... Um, a bronchoscopy, so a camera into the lung for to investigate those kind of conditions, we may find them. And um, we also have quite a few patients who have had lung cancer in the past, and then mm -hmm. we're keeping an eye on them um, because during that process, we found some of these pre-invasive lesions that could go on to become cancer again in another part of the lung. So, um, so those are the kind of two main groups, either sort of picked up on on some other investigation for something like a cough, or yeah, or, or um, because they've had cancer in the past. And what kind of um that ratio is it for if you do find these precancerous lesions? What's the ratio of them just going away, and what's the ratio of them kind of developing into cancer? So, um, so there's we're writing a paper on that at the moment actually to give you to give you to get some very specific uh, answers to that. But broadly, they fall into being either either high grade, to really kind of abnormal cells, or low grade, not as abnormal cells. The low grade ones seem to be fairly mostly fairly benign, but the high grade ones. Um, about half of them would go on to become cancer, with it, and and then about a third of them within two years would just go away, and the rest would just stay the same. Okay. So, um, broadly speaking. So yeah, twenty years worth of data. That's going to be quite a lot to, to kind of analyse. So, we, so I'm really focused on. We, we haven't got. Um, so I'm focused on the, the the modern sequencing techniques. So we we look at sort of genome sequencing. Uh, we talk about things like transcriptomics and epigenetics and all these kind of modern profiling techniques. Uh, we don't have that for every sample for 20 years. We've got that mm -hmm. for a subset of samples. Um, so it's it's not quite the whole sort of 2,000 samples we've got, but it's, uh, yeah, but what, what we've got is is very, is big data. You know, it's it's a lot of data about the whole genetics of these things that we're mm -hmm. looking at for, for relatively smaller number of samples. So what made you want to pursue lung cancer as a research focus? Uh, so I think when I finished my medical degree, I uh, knew I had all these computational skills from my sort of previous life and I wanted to use them I didn't want to let them all go to waste so um, I actually uh, I first used them here in, in, in liver transplant medicine was the first kind of research I did uh, after my degree with them at King's with them um, Alberto Sanchez Cuello who does some transplant medicine he was it was his lab that taught me some of the kind of uh, sequencing technologies that I'm now working with um, and then I but clinically I was more interested in, in respiratory medicine and so, and so lung cancer seemed to really be a field where we had a lot of this big data that I could I could add some value to I suppose um, and uh, yeah it seems to be suited to my skill set. How do you think your research and your outcomes of your research will impact the public? So I think there's two answers to that I've, I've sort of mentioned that if you've got one of these things in your in your lung then then we are our data is really good at predicting whether that's going to go on to become cancer or not. So if you're one of these uh, people who has a, a, a sort of um, 
one picked up by chance, we can tell you whether you should be a candidate for surgery. Um, now, I say that with a bit of caution because there's a lot of work to be done to validate that as a clinical tool, but, but you know, the early indications are that we can predict that better than, than you can with just a microscope. Yeah. Um, however, as I've said, these things are quite rare. So I think the, the other side to this is that we're really uh, publishing a, a, a map of the earliest stages of cancer development, and we're understanding you know, why do these things go on to become cancer, and, and that map has much wider impact, I think, in understanding how to, uh, how to not just how to treat a cancer, but how to prevent cancers, how to potentially think about sort of interception strategies. People even talk these days about things like vaccines against cancer, and I mean, we're, we're, we're way off that with our data, but it's, uh, it's the kind of direction that this really early data can, can take you in. So yeah, there's it's really important outcomes that would affect a lot of people. Which yeah, is, absolutely, which is great. absolutely, because lung cancer still is the biggest cause of, of cancer-related death mm -hmm. worldwide. So um, it's still a huge problem and it's still something that we, we need to work on. Well, it's good to hear everybody working so hard on it. <laughs> and so finally, uh, what is your favorite part of working in science? So I think what I'm really enjoying at the moment is, is, being, is the flexibility of, of being, you know, managing my own work, you know, being my own boss to a degree. I mean, okay, I do have a boss, but, <laughs> but it's, I'm able to manage my own time. And, um, and part of the reason for doing the PhD when I did coming out of clinical practice was uh, I also had a, a small child, about one now, and, oh. and trying to do that when you're on a clinical job and you know you're, you're trying to work on the wards is, is almost impossible. I mean, I'd never get home for bedtime. <laughs> Whereas yeah. in research, I can really manage my workload as I as it as it suits me. So I, I really really appreciate that, um, and uh, it seems to work better. And it, it, that's that's been really helpful. But of course, the other thing is is the people I work with who fantastic and we've got a fantastic team at UCL and um, it's quite inspiring to, to work there. Oh that's great. Uh, thank you so much for speaking with us today and uh, I really look forward to your talk. Oh, thanks very much for having me. Thank you.